Hi guys, uh, we're back for part two of episode three with Salih Brek. Uh, if you want to hear more about him, definitely hop back and listen to part one. He has quite an interesting story. Um, but on this part of the episode, we're going to be talking about what do you stand for as a person in your personal life, in your business life, and what have you. And uh, he's got some interesting responses um, considering some things he's done in his life. And so yeah, listen in and I hope you enjoy it. And we're back with Salah Al-Brik. Um, This episode is titled, What Do You Stand For? Thanks, Salah, for joining me. Thank you for having me. First question is going to be, so Salah, what do you stand for? Uh, when I was you know, first approached by your team and um, the topic of the podcast uh, came about and uh, I read the question. So, and it's something that I realized I ha- either haven't been asked or I haven't even thought about asking myself. And I don't think a lot of people do that, which is, um, for me, it made me go into this mode of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And I had to look at it from an angle and 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 ask myself, um, you know, what do you stand for? And have that moment in the mirror where you're just thinking, okay, so you've been, you know, running around and entrepreneuring and mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 working hard every day but what is it that um what is it that you stand for and uh, i think looking at it from a career aspect but also looking at it from a personal aspect um i think it all came down to the fact that i was or that i i i stand for the underdog mm-hmm. and um there was that you know that saying of um if you don't stand for something you will fall for anything and I think that out of everything that I do, the one thing that I will never fall and always stand for is the underdog. So you mentioned something interesting, which was that when we spoke about you doing this episode, you actually had to sit and like take stock of what you stand for. Uh, why do you think that's not something people are usually aware of? I think we as human beings, uh, and I'm speaking from myself in the main part, is you know, we're on autopilot Mm -hmm. most of the time where, you know, um, whether you're working a day job, a night job, uh, entrepreneur, you know, um, uh, housewife, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I know my mom, for example, she's been a housewife her entire life and she does not have a break. Um, and I think when you, we do this as in a, in a way to keep ourselves busy, to keep ourselves to try to achieve something or some form of satisfaction or some sort of reward, you know, for for a good day's work. And like we don't want to waste an hour. And we always say we want more hours in the day. Um, but that goes sometimes against us. Um, I always feel like um, we don't give ourselves enough time. And I, for one, am one of that. Like the whole pandemic that has started um i think changed me as a person as well because i if you asked me before um i usually and i was the annoying friend or annoying colleague that i'd have to book a coffee a week in advance and that was how bad it was and it was just because i like to plan a lot of things but at the same time i was too booked up putting myself and stretching myself too thin across several projects where I wasn't surprised that when I read the question, I just thought, oh, I actually never thought about it. Or I, I don't remember the last time I asked myself a question just about direction or about what I'm doing or about why I'm doing it. 
Um, so I think that's what it kind of falls down to is that we don't give ourselves the opportunity to self-reflect. Or I would say the majority. I envy those who do. <laughs> <laughs> for you, look, when you looked back and you realized, oh, this is what I stand for. What shifted for you, when you with that realization? I think um, when I realized um, very much so that, okay, so this is, um, and it's only that I thought about this recently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I didn't notice it. I noticed it was a common trend that was happening across my life, but I never actually uh, put it all in like one vision and said, oh, okay, uh, that is what I stand for. I think from that point onwards, now I think it really helps me direct my way forward and mm-hmm. the way that I navigate through my life now. Um an example again uh, in my line of work at Dubai Tourism, I'm you know heading up a field that actually also uh, a department that looks at content, and so whenever we look at different proposals, I would say I purposely um, tell our um, the department that handles the the RFPs or the tenders, mm-hmm. I tell them you know what cover the names. I don't want to know the names. I don't want to know who's submitting. I don't want to know their names. I don't because we usually ask for obviously company names, trade licenses, and say like yeah, the CVs kind of, of the yeah. teams that are going to work on it. Right? I actually purposely tell them don't mention anything. I want to see what they can do. That's all I want to know. And um, I want to I want to choose based on the work. I don't want to choose based on the names. And funny enough, and again, this is something I realize now. Uh, most of the agencies if not all, are niche agencies across the world. Um, and the the big dogs that are yeah. like, you know, uh, even have offices perhaps here as well. When you look at it at the end of the day, it, it's exquisite work, but it's just not exactly what we're looking for and what I think can take us to the next level. And so I think this is something I'm going to continuously take throughout my and uh, navigate throughout my career and my life is just to always never take anything at face value mm-hmm. and to always expect that everyone has a potential that is yet to be unlocked and if given the right opportunity can be achieved. Amazing. What do you think some of the other core values you have are that support that underdog uh, main thing that you stand for? Um, core values, being compassionate, mm-hmm. uh, being understanding, and then um, relating or the power of relating, which I don't know if it's a value, but it's definitely something that I feel uh, is important if you are going to um, run any industry or even navigate through your own life. Mm-hmm. I think these are some important values that you should hold, uh, hold closely, um, especially when you're trying to uh, create a safe space in in my res- in my respect when I look at the companies that I I uh, own, all of them are service oriented. So there is mm-hmm. obviously customer service is a big thing. And so when you have people, you want to create a safe space for them to come and make memories and to connect and to have fun. I think this is why I wanted to kind of do this episode because understanding what you stand for or having that kind of um, self awareness of your strengths, your weaknesses what you value, what you don't value, allows you to interact with the world in a different way because you understand what you need and you understand what you bring to the table. Yeah. And so if you don't take the time to figure out 
what you stand for, what your values are, how you interface with the world. You're always going to find that you're hitting walls in different places and you won't know why unless you take the time to think about it. If yeah. that makes sense. I always tell people from the, from the first get-go that I know them, I always tell them, listen, these are my weaknesses. Mm. Straight away, when it's a business or it's a venture or it's a, a project, I literally, even my team, mm-hmm. I tell my team, these are my weaknesses. I'm not good at X, Y, Z, yeah. but I'm good at this. Yeah. And this is what I bring to the table. Exactly what you say. And so this is, I think, when you're, when you have that mentality where you know yourself and you know what you bring to the table and you know your weaknesses, it's very hard to obviously tell people this is what I'm not good at, but yeah. I'm very honest about it. But when you do that from the get-go at the very start, that's where exactly like the example that you gave, it's like puzzle pieces. You're like, okay, so I know that I can do this in order to achieve what I want to achieve and that success. I need someone who can complement the, these aspects. So here's a question for you. Yeah. There is a tendency to confuse believing something with standing for something. Mm-hmm. What do you think the difference is? I think believing in something is definitely, I think that people might have different understandings when they hear the word, what do you believe in instead of what do you stand for? Mm-hmm. When someone asks you, what do you believe in? It's your a mixture of your viewpoints uh, your opinions, uh, uh, technically beliefs also, that could be a construct of your upbringing, your surroundings, your society. Um, standing for something is something that you, uh, I would say something that, without using the word standing for, but it's something that you hold dear to your heart. It might not be a belief, but it's something that, um, uh, a mission, I would say, that you feel like um, either needs to change or either needs to stay the same or either has under-representation mm-hmm. or something that you have personally experienced that you want to now pe- make people aware about it. Um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a very thin line, but when someone tells me, I believe uh, in this, I kind of relate it to the fact that, okay, when, when they say they believe in this, there has to be like a, uh, an external construct around, mm-hmm. around it. Something around them um, had to have happened or had to have been said yeah. for them to believe in something. They have to have read or taken right. the information externally. When someone tells me, what do you stand for something? I feel like that's something that is an internal thing. Something must have happened. A light bulb must have switched on from the inside for you to now want to take the message externally. So that's how I perceive it. Uh, It's whether it's something that's an external or an internal. And I think people get confused because if you go to... Like, I think, in my opinion, Mm. like, you can believe in a lot of things. Yeah. And I mean, you can can jump on social media any minute and you'll see a lot of people believing in a lot of stuff. Yeah. But when you stand for something, it can cost you. Yeah. And I think therein lies the difference. If you're willing to stand for something, even if it's not the popular opinion, even if it's, uh, it might take longer to get what you need, even if it might fail. Like, whereas, I mean, it's very easy to believe in a lot of things, but to stand for something, I think, is to put your neck out there Yeah, for, you know, and to stand in front of those behind you who can't stand and take that spot or can't take that weight. I think there's a, there's a difference. Yeah, And so... I think so many people, 
say, yeah, I believe in this and I believe in that. And it's, it's a lot, it's very easy to believe in stuff. Yeah. But when push comes to shove, are you going to stand for it? Yeah. And I think that's kind of. I love how you put it, actually how you worded it, because it does make sense. And this, in in the way that when you, I, I solely believe that there, everyone stands for something. But unfortunately, the majority are not vocal about it because of the cost that comes associated with it. And so only when do you ask yourself the question, um, can you actually truly find out what it is that you stand for? But then you're given a choice, which most people don't opt for, which is, okay, am I going to be vocal about this? Yeah. Um, am I going to uh, you know, announce this? Because like you said, there's going to be people that are not going to be, not going to agree. When I had gone um, and I had, you know, um, I was approached uh, by a film festival here in Dubai mm -hmm. and they were looking for Emirati filmmakers and I knew one. Mm -hmm. He was a, an amazing up and coming um, uh, talent and had an eye for film. And I told him and I said, you have to submit your work. And he was like, no, I can't. Um, and I was like... Um, do you, uh, you know, don't you don't don't you believe in yourself? And mm -hmm. he says, yes, I do. I was like, so I, I might not have used the word so stand for it, but mm -hmm. that's basically what I was saying. So you have yeah. to stand for it. His fear was if I stand for this and submit my film, not only will I may get rejected, but also the a construct of a Emirati filmmaker at the time who was 19, who comes from a very small rural part of the UAE and, and the Emirates of Abu Dhabi um, is very much frowned upon right. to go into film. Uh, and the topics of his film are very much frowned upon to discuss when it right. comes to like marital to marital disputes or whatever have you. Right. And I told him, I said, it's your call because um, they have, if these guys are up approaching me to find people like you, that means no one's repping you yeah there's not no representation no one's taking that stand mm -hmm. and i i told him his name is isa still very much my friend still messaged me today uh <laughs> after all these years he trusted me um but um i told him i said if you don't um if you don't do this uh, if you do this imagine how many people you're gonna open the doors to and he did it and he got selected um, he didn't pursue it as a career. Right. Life took him elsewhere, but he does passion projects. Mm -hmm. But because of him doing that, um, he kind of owned his talent, mm -hmm. uh, consulted on a few projects himself. And then lo and behold, was getting reached out to other, you know, similar um, Emiratis who are up and coming, who wanted to know how to get enrolled, how to get involved, etc. And so he became, you know, he did stand for something. It did cost him. Yeah. It did maybe rattle a few things mm. uh, personally. But then again, he stood for it. And lo and behold, still alive. He's still doing well. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I know there are other, you know, maybe more sensitive things to, that people stand for yeah. that could cost much more. Yeah. But this is just one of the small examples where it really did pay off in a good way, despite the sacrifice. Well, you spoke about societal constructs, so let's go there. So we were born into societal value constructs. How do you then, as you grow up, detach yourself from those value constructs to figure out your own personal values, whether they align or don't? Whatever society tells you that is right and wrong, it's 
never someone to tell you. It's for you to find it out in yourself. Because I was given the freedom to explore what I think is right and wrong in society and then come back. And yeah. whatever I made peace with, my parents were fine with. Yeah. My mom used to tell me, she goes, whatever you make peace with, I may not agree. I may not be on the same page, but I'm glad you're fine with it, for example. Yeah. Um, and so I guess this kind of just carries out through my entire life right now, which is when someone tells me, oh, but I don't know what people will say. I don't know what, you know, if I'm going to start a company and or I'm going to be a singer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just like, you know, um, if it's your passion, a, a good friend of mine, just to end it with another example, a good friend of mine, uh, Ibrahim Al Khamari, he's from Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. comes from a very Al Khamari, and it's 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 a known as a very Arab family yeah. from Abu Dhabi, and uh, he just released his first English song, wow. and uh, I sent it to my brother, and I was like, you have to hear him. He's been working on his, you know, this for years, and it's finally, and he was so nervous about it, and there was a lot of anxiety that goes into it. But this is his calling, and my brother heard it. Um, uh, one of my brothers, and they were like. But the lyrics are quite, huh? So and so, you know, for an Emirati and a male mm. and stuff. And I'm just like, but it's good, right? And he goes, yeah, it's really good. And then it got, it hit number one on iTunes on the UAE chart. Wow. And, and and so I'm just like, you know, we can't stick to what I think society may kind of want to box people in. Yeah. You just have to be okay with who you are and with what you believe in. It's interesting. Like, I always think like, when I start feeling judgy about someone mm. or when I start feeling afraid about what I'm doing, that's when I always pause. Because mm. I'm like, okay, let me take a look at this. Okay, why am I feeling judgmental about what this person is doing? And by the way, sometimes I am fully in the right <laughs> and they should not be doing what they're doing. <laughs> okay? But I at least take the time <laughs> to self-reflect <laughs> to, to self-reflect and be like, is this my opinion or is this what people tell me my opinion should yeah. be? So that's pretty much all the questions. Now we're going to jump into questions that we ask all our guests. Okay. <laughs> um, what's one word you use to describe yourself in your internal dialogue? That you don't say out loud. It's funny because it goes with what I think the topic that you just kind of ended the last question with, which is I don't tell people a lot, Mm. but definitely internally insecure comes to mind. Insecure in the sense of, you know, when you, no matter how much I try my best to fight for the underdog, you can't help but feel that sense of doubt when yeah. it comes to if you're just going to be surrounded with people that constantly tell you you're not good enough or you're not going to do it or you're not I don't know how thick of a skin you have to have and I didn't have that you know I have now I I grew thicker skin as yeah. I grow older but back then um I would be very insecure about things that I was bringing to the table. I still push through. Mm. I would still present. The one thing I always told myself was, you know, you know, I'd, I'd have those moments where I look at myself in the mirror and tell myself, you, you've got this. You know what you do. You're good at what you do. You don't have to listen to anyone. You believe in what you do. If you're standing up for this, go ahead and do it. Amazing. So what's a side of you that you would like to step into more? I think I always 
aspire when I look at content online. Mm -hmm. I always aspire or not, I wouldn't say even the word aspire maybe, but I will always be envious of people that kind of just let things go <laughs> and just like, you know, like someone, I don't know if you have a friend, but I have a friend like this that comes to me and says, I just booked a ticket to Mexico. I'm going to go backpack for a week. And I'm just like, what? Um, I don't understand. <laughs> a, you don't have a job. So yeah. how are you going to, oh no, I found three flights that are connecting and even like a visa run here and there. And, and then I'm going to end up and I'm like, and then did you book? No, I'm just going to jump from hostel to, I'm just like, how? <laughs> so the care the anxiety I'm feeling right now, right? just hearing that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but for me, I've always envied them yeah. because, um, Again, I always, uh, for those who know me and those who are knowing me now, I'm very systematic in my yeah. approach of things. Um, I, I, I like to be on time. I like mm. to, uh, I like to deliver on deadlines. Yeah. I like to, um, even, uh, even, uh, you know, my friend asking me, would you like to do a staycation in two weeks? Gives me anxiety already. Cause I feel like, oh, I have to move things around. But, um, I think that's kind of a, a side of myself that I need to tap into more. And I'm getting told by my friends that I need to tap into more. I think a lot of my life has been uh, planned a bit too much. Mm -hmm. And I think my 30s, I'm going to take a back seat and let the... Loosen you know, up in your 30s. Yeah. I'm going to let the, the, the kids <laughs> take over. Halas, I'm done. <laughs> Speaking of kids, um, mm -hmm. what's your favorite childhood memory and why? My favorite childhood memory had to be or has to be it's it's a short it's a story i share with my mom and i think is one of the things that really shaped me as a human being um my mom used to uh, still does um uh, but not with me anymore cuz obviously work um but as a kid growing up she used to go to the hospital um to visit people those you know like family members friends mm. who were admitted and who were ill and she would always take me with her me not my other brothers just me my mom and I also she had me when she was young so she's my best friend uh, and so we used to go hang out and then I realized you know this was happening every few days <clears throat> and I realized that you know, my mom has a lot of people she knows in the hospital. This is yeah. a bit alarming. Like, yeah. I should be worried. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Is there something in the gene pool that I don't know? Yeah. And then slowly as I got older, I realized that my mom wasn't visiting only friends and relatives. My mom was actually visiting um, anyone who was there and who was alone. Because wow. she would be visiting family or relatives, she would notice while she sits with them. And you know, Arab moms, mm -hmm. they like to take their time talking. Yeah. Um, and so she would realize and she would look around the room and also walk around the hospital and realize the constant people that never had visitors. Mm -hmm. And so she would start making relationships with them. And then um, she would just take me with them. And I realized later that I was like, wait, why? Is I When I realized that they were not related and I asked my mom, I said, why? And then she goes and she says, if we are not, if we are put here, if we are not on this earth to be compassionate towards each other, then I don't know why God created us as human beings. Till today, like she always does this. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's just something that I, I always 
I don't really share the story very much, but again, your questions kind of had me <laughs> looking in the mirror the other day and I just thought about it. And I think that's one of the my favorite memories uh, with her. And so I'm turning the table. So I go and tell her, do you have anyone you want to visit in the hospital? Um, and so I think that's something I'm going to take for the rest of my life. Well, thanks so much for sharing that with us. No, you're welcome. So that's the end of our episode. <laughs> wow okay i i didn't feel the time pass by but yeah. i had a blast i'm thank you so much for the opportunity uh i'm such a fan of you after hearing the <laughs> you know after hearing um uh, things that you know the reasons of why you started this podcast um so thank you for the opportunity and the no, entire team that's working on this so for people who don't know you uh where can they find out more about you um now I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. But uh if you just want to catch up with me, my main uh, platform that I use is Instagram. So you can just find me at Saleh Al Break. No full stop space, whatever they call it. We'll put it in off. the episode description. <laughs> Thank so you. So guys, if you want to find out more about Saleh, you can uh check out the episode description. Um and join me next week for another episode of Millennial Mirrors. Uh this is Mshadanazi signing out. Bye guys. See you. Bye.